Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Bench Units podcast. Uh, I'm James, I'm here with Mark as always, and we're going to talk about the games that happened this weekend. Yeah. Do you want another second to be sure about what your name is? Because you did said the welcome bit and then we're like, uh, my name's James. I always hesitate because I was like, should I have something better to say here? Slash, is it grim if I have like a bit? Although I've realized that I always start with like a hello and you always start with, hey, what's up, guys? So... I guess that's as close to a bit as we already have. How's it going, Mark? Yeah, it's good, man. Thank you. So um, for everybody listening, plan is we're going to romp through this because there's been a lot less games this weekend than usual. And we have a guest coming up, which we're going to record on Tuesday, but we won't tell you who that is until near the end of the podcast. So you guys have to stick around if you're interested. Or scroll. And if you manage to land it, fair enough. Yeah. (laughs) What a great Spotify feature that would be if you could like blur out bits of audio until someone had listened all the way through to them. Yeah, or it automatically just timestamps the spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, hey, we've got a bit of a thing that we're going to talk about later on. And you do that <laughs> thing, you click like 3614 and it goes straight to there. Also, we should try and land it on 3614. That would be cool. That would be great. Right. Okay. This isn't helping us keep to time. Um, Right, so no German games this weekend, which is making this easier to talk about. Uh, So, Mark, do you want to play the how many points to Dirk pass one score game? And we'll go for zero. Yep. Cool, done. Right. (laughs) (laughs) For God's sake. Okay, so first game up that we're going to talk about, and we're going to go in chronological order, is Las Rosas, Mercia. So Mercia, 47, Las Rosas, 36. Sources confirm... Sources confirmed they might be back to play the second half at some point. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah, that's actually a fun one. Like as we're going through, see if anyone had forty-seven and a half. Mediva might have done it at one point this weekend. Yeah. I'm not sure, but wow, yeah, this was this was not good. This was a slog. Um, Thirty-two yeah, percent I mean, to twenty-nine percent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Lalo being the game's whole leader with 20 plus 24 rating, and he scored five points. Um, Philip Halfley, who I actually think is pretty good and resurfacing in Spain after a couple of years in obscurity is good for him because I think he might end up on somewhere more competitive than Mercia in the next couple of years. But yeah, he's five, really like 16 here. Yeah. Him coming onto the team is really like showing that thing of you sign one player and it raises the floor because they don't need to be like your best player. But if they're better than the worst player that you previously had on the floor, <laughs> they're probably making you a whole lot better. Obviously, points needs to come, come into it, but you know what I mean? It just raises their ceiling to like competent basketball team. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, say, I always think of them as the team that we played at the start of the season, but they didn't have him and they were also missing two other starters. So like... Yeah. <laughs> not it's not the same thing but yeah um but yeah shout out to him and him and um Joaquin Robles with 15 and 19 points respectively and that comes two points away from equaling Las Rosas's entire team output which is something to behold yeah it's um Las Rosas side Christian Gomez <laughs> leading in shots attempted and made with three of 14 on my days. Yeah, he had a couple of teammates that tied him for shots made, but... On half the number of attempts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. this was... We've, sp- we've spoken about this, I think, every week since Christmas, but um, 
Kano is still missing from us, Rotas. And it looks like it's getting harder for them to manage without him because you would think that if there was ever going to be a game where they could maybe weather the storm a little bit, it would be against Mercia, who are definitely better than they were, but aren't, you know, nobody thought Mercia had this game wrapped up. Yeah, not a whole lot to talk about here. I must admit, like, I <laughs> I didn't watch this because I was on the way to our game. So I got into, like, our locker room and one of my teammates was like, hey, did you see Las Rosas scored two points in a quarter? <laughs> like, <laughs> that was the first thing I heard of it. It was like, hey, this first quarter is 8-2. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow, okay. Because sure. I always forget they play at four in Las Rosas yeah. when everyone else tips at, like, half six. Well, the... The um, this is going to sound unbelievably cruel, but this genuinely did happen because I we um were out last night because we went out to see my family and I was kind of catching bits and bobs of this game in and around getting ready. And I think I left it mid second quarter when it was I can't remember what the score will have been at that point, uh, but it was obviously low at that point because it wasn't high at any, yeah. The second quarter was the second highest was the highest scoring quarter of the whole game. So it was 17-14 for Las Rosas in that stretch. But I think the point at which I left the game was maybe like 16-18 to 18 in the middle of the yeah. game. And I, I like went, sorted some stuff out and then like grabbed my phone, loaded YouTube back up and it got to like the teams were on the sideline because it must have been just the end of the game and it was like 36-47 at that point. And I was like, hang on, did YouTube do that thing? It sometimes does where you like load the video back up and it doesn't jump to live. It kind of like staggers part way in between. <laughs> so I like tapped the live button a few times. I was like, oh no, this is the end of the game. I've yeah. left this for like 45 minutes and the teams have put a combined 30 points on the board between them. Yeah. It really oh, this is just like, sliding, man. this is near bottom of the league teams and one team has added a player or two and the other team has lost the guy that kind of made them tick yeah it's kind of and when you're undermanned and you're probably the oldest team in the league on average age like that's tough but yeah i hope nobody who partook in this game will take any offense if we say if you're listening to this and you like to go back and watch games you've missed you can probably manage fine without this one yeah we're coming on and talking about it and pretending that we're worth listening to and I didn't watch it, so here <laughs> we are. Like, and that's no disrespect. That's literally just I didn't have time. Like, yeah. it was on when I was on the way to my game. Yeah. Oh, I'm about to talk about a lot of games that were on while I was playing, so here we are. Valid. Right. Okay, next. Let's do it. Mediba, 79. Amphivigo, 44. We should point out at this stage that Madiba were missing Phil Pratt, um, who I think was back to the UK. If yes, I believe so. Mistaken. Um, um, yeah, so he wasn't there for either Madiba game this weekend because as, we, as we'll get to in a little bit, um, Madiba played on Sunday as well. So this was Madiba potentially without their best player um, and kind of table setter for almost every offense they ever run. Oh um, yeah, the, the 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 guy that makes things happen on that team without a doubt, absolutely. And talking of making things happen, John Hernandez 
with 31 points on 13 shots. <laughs> go with 15 rebounds and nine assists is wild. Yeah. Um, I caught this game because this was on as well while I was getting ready to travel and then subsequently traveling. So I caught snippets of this and John made a lot of like relatively easy looks. But from the snippets I watched, I would never have extrapolated the number of points he scored in the combined minutes I watched to how many he ended the game with. It was like the most quiet run of the mill 31 <laughs> I've ever seen. He just put them up with like um, monotonous efficiency, I guess. Yeah. John, John's so good. I know we come on here every week and we're like, John is great. But I think we had a conversation last year at one point about him being underrated. And I just don't think that's the case anymore. Maybe he still is, but like, yeah, if anything, you think he actually is in the rankings of best players or best three fives or best whatevers, but like, he's so, he's so good. Yeah. So efficient. And he's so like tall and long and quick and good chair skills and, the way he releases the ball from behind his head, it's impossible to get it contest on. John's very good at what he does. Yeah, see, I think he's been probably underrated as a complimentary player even for a long time. And then I think people were just starting to come around on that. And it's now like, oh, our best player's away for the weekend. Shall I just step up and be the best player? No problem. Yeah, I think like, that's the thing. Like, I don't think he's ever been a number one guy on... No on a team like he went Bilbao last year obviously everyone's aware like where the ball starts and ends in that team and especially really? last year like I don't think you've touched on that before <laughs> <laughs> um yeah and even then they had Asier and Jordi Ruiz who were both sharing that sort of stuff last year and so John was purely just a finisher with them but he was so so good at that so it's cool to see I always love when someone is like put in a certain box and then it's like oh no no they can just play like you see some guys that they have their role expanded and they don't know what to be doing but i that's not the case yeah it, this this made me wonder there's a um the because john's been i think since people have been aware of him he was at gran canaria very first from what i remember yes and he's since gone albacete bilbao and now mediba which all three have been very much falling into the existing structure, like you said with his Bilbao thing. Do you think there's a career step for John of, hey, I'm going to go play for such and such team and I'm going to be the guy for a season? Let's call it the Reggie Jackson and or Jeremy Grant both going, hey, I'm going to go to Detroit <laughs> about seven years apart and both turning yeah. out terribly. The Jeremy Grant, like, I, 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 the thing that I was like, I don't get why anyone hates it. He just went, I'm quite good and I could make a hundred million. I yeah. would like a hundred million, please. But yeah. um, I'd say he could do it. I don't know if he's like, I don't know if a team that he completely runs wins the league or whatever, but like, I, I don't know if he'd want to. Like, I, I wonder, like, I'm sure he's had offers from teams further down the table and he's not gone for it. You know what I mean? I wouldn't, I would say that if you're going from, Albacete to Bilbao to Madiba, I'd say you're not getting one WhatsApp every summer being like, hey, what about this? All right, cool. You know, I'd say oh, he has different suitors. But I would I would also say if you're bouncing between those three teams, you're probably number one on your list of priorities, probably isn't, hey, I need the ball for 20 minutes and I need to get 17 shots up. No. So no. maybe also he just he just went and 
won the league twice in a handful of years. Yeah. So, like, maybe it's just fitting in and winning. Yeah, if the, if this is genuinely who he is, if he can step up and have games like this whenever he's called for, and he is also happy to just play his role on really good teams, then good for him, man. That makes me like... You also say more. games like this. It's not like this was against Elunion or... Well, yeah. Like uh, Albacete or whatever, but there is as um, I said, you mentioned- other side of the ball. The thing we talk about, Romo and Alejos needing to get lots of shots up. They got 18 shots up combined, <laughs> which might have been a function of good defense. Um, yeah, managed to force the ball 22 times into Seidel and 14 times into Walter de Horta, which is. That's 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 a game plan thing. I would I can only imagine. Yeah, but, that, that was definitely the case. They, the I think the book is out a little bit on the on the Vigo kind of one A and one B options. Um, I think they played a game without Romo last weekend and possibly the weekend before as well. I don't remember, but teams just loaded up on Alejos and were kind of like, hey, we can afford to do this. And I think maybe even since then there's been. I think maybe there's been some video watched and been like, hey, we can probably afford to play this level of pressure even with two of these primary options. Yeah. You can, you can load up on two players if you kind of do it right and rotate with discipline and you have the defenders. And Mediba absolutely do have the defenders. Like, yeah. Yeah. they play four bigs and they play Charlie Moore, who is quick and has good chair skills. Like... Um, also, just randomly remembered that Vigo were missing um, Julio Vilas, which is not nothing. Like he plays and starts, and no, no, he, he's a good tribute for those guys. And like, crucially, he is Spanish nothing. and not Mexican. Correction yes, um, section: You yeah. thought he was a Mexican man? I did. Maybe um, said a Mexican, and it sounded bad. <laughs> but yeah, not a whole lot left to go on here. I don't think. Yeah, the, I think this is. I mean, Christian Seidel got 18 points to lead Vigo, but he got there on 22 shots. And that's not going to get it done when your opposition shoots 50%. And fun fact from the stat sheet, John John shot five of seven threes. And that, yeah, was, just that. that was Madiba's entire three-point shooting stat as a team, which is <laughs> nuts. Um, but yeah, on the Madiba side as well, while we're about it, shout out to both... Um, Salvador, who had 23, and Lewis, who had 15. And shout out to Charlie Moore, who was plus 35. Yes. So good for those guys. Vigo, we kind of said this about Vidalid last week when we were, there was lopsided results, but there's not a lot of cavalry coming for Vigo at this point. I know Vilas will be back at some point, presumably, but this... I don't see the situation getting a whole lot brighter than it is currently. They just don't have the players. I think it's like stay up and reinforce next year. Like they'll stay up, no problem, because yeah. they'll already taken wins off some of the teams in and around that area. But do you kind of get the feeling? Um, sorry, we'll we'll move on soon. But do you That's get cool. the feeling that the league's kind of like lost the middle section of it a little bit? Like, do you feel like it's the top teams and then maybe? Malaga, Burgos, and then it drops. <laughs> even even I struggle to keep Burgos in that middle tier after the couple of results they had. But um, yeah, okay, yeah, no, no. Do you feel it? I think it's like top four. Then it's probably like us, Malaga, and then it's the rest. 
Yeah, um, yeah, I think that's fair. I th- but I think that's actually not massively different to past because I think people have kidded themselves in past years that any top eight team can beat anyone else. And I don't think that's always been true. There was like, like the Malaga team a couple of years back had way more talent on paper than they ever played like. So maybe if you want to view the standings through talent on paper, then there's a difference between then and now. Um, but I think in terms of results, there was, I don't ever remember an occasion where it was like a seventh ranked team beats. Uh, oh, to be fair, Burgos did beat Bilbao in last year. And Bilbao. <laughs> one point, so maybe I'm wrong. Oh, on this yeah. I t- so maybe that's where you love him. But that was. That was you have Philipski yeah. and he might score like the way I described it is like hey you beat Burgos unless Fifi has forty five and then he actually just did a couple of times like <laughs> which is fair enough like but yeah I, I'm with you I think there's a there's a top four or five and I think you guys haven't had enough games against tough teams yet to say whether you sit more with the top what we're calling the top uh, four. No, well, we played them all and went one and three, so I guess you could say we're on the bottom end of that, but, like, um, yeah, does that mean I, that the team, does that mean the one team we beat is excluded from the top four? The league is hard to, like, look at yeah, right now but, because games missed and stuff, but... But, no, you guys probably got the toughest swing of schedule, right, because you played two games that were, like, Zuzanak, and I can't remember who you played to fatten up. On your first two wins. Indeed, Las Rosas, Murcia, and then we had uh, Albacete, Gran Canaria, Madiba. Yeah, exactly. Anyone in your guys' position was going to struggle to the jump in competition you made from Las Rosas and Murcia, who just combined combined for, what, 83 points off the top of my head? That's less than either Hamburg or Skywheelers scored in that overtime game. Um, Yeah, you guys played those two in the first two weeks and then got thrown into the wood chipper effectively. So I think there's a reasonable case that you guys could vault a little bit when you get yeah. a second crack at the higher seeded teams. But yeah, I, I do think there's a top six. I think Malaga is sixth. And I think you guys can possibly jumble it up with the top four. And I think, yeah, I think that's where it is. That. I think it's like those four three Elunion on a good day us on a good day and then Malaga just below that although Malaga has beaten Elunion so I don't know but no, I'm else. willing to it's, I, it's a weird one I'm willing to chalk the Malaga over Elunion one up to a fluke until they pull another one out at least yeah they've been looking good but we'll get on to Malaga anyway next game Gran Canaria 83 um Sergius Burgos, 51. This was not much of a game from the very beginning. Nope. Like, I, this was the one that we were like, ah, I don't know, like Burgos obviously look like they have like a good stretch in them that they can maybe pull off an upset or at least keep a team tight like they did well against Albacete last week um we played them the week before and we're a bit like oh god Kim can go nuts in a game and make it interesting and they just didn't and it was a combination in my mind of Grand Canaria being well put together and well organized and very talented obviously and Burgos just not giving themselves a chance through various different things yeah well what do you think well I think 
it kind of tells you everything you need to know when Jorge Sanchez and Rose Holloman are both playing 30 minutes rather than 40, because yeah. that's a rare occurrence in and of itself. Um, yeah, Gran Canaria came out hot, man, and then Macek had a little stretch mid-first quarter where he decided he was going to try and just haul um, Burgos back into it on his own. And the, and the stretch was when he wasn't sitting on the block for someone else, like... <laughs> That's that was the thing I was gonna say. Like obviously Grand Canaria went out and like stopped them and were scoring yeah. freely on the other end, 21 points in the first quarter, but also like Burgos are and it's maybe a combination of like just getting the new guys in and also like Gim and Lee Fryer are both guys that like to fly around the place. But it just there was a bit of like, how have you ended up with Machek on the block for Martin Aridondo? And <laughs> Like, and it's not disrespectful, but it's like this guy yeah. goes nine from 18 but every game from the right baseline. Like, play the numbers, I? boys. Um, yeah, that? I mean, I think from... I watched a good bit of South Korea at the Paralympics because they seem to always be just close enough that it's like, hey, these guys might be a run away from um, upsetting something. I don't think they ever did. But, and then having watched Gim since he's arrived, I think he might be like top percentile of players whose scoring opportunities increase when his team forces a miss versus when they have to play half court after a make. Yeah. From some combination of being massive and establishing position and being way more tricksy and mobile than anyone gives him credit for. Oh, he's um, so shifty. His chair skills yeah. are excellent. Um, and yeah, he just never, they were so regularly playing off a of Grand Canaria make that I don't think he ever really got into his bag of tricks in the kind of semi-transition, which is his best strength. Um, yeah. And it did become kind of a magic haul us out of this, which he looked like he might do for a little bit, but you're asking a, a lot of even Machek as a 1-5 to balance, to, sorry, counteract the balance of Gran Canaria getting, what did they get? 12 from Luigi Macambo, 15 from Ari Twig. Uh, 21 from Jorge Salazar and 16 from Rose and 9 from Jorge Sanchez as well. Um, yeah, when Gim is the biggest advantage against that team because of his size and he ends up with five points in 35 minutes, you're going to have a tough time keeping up. Mm -hmm. I don't For think sure. that's a hot take. Um, no, it is not. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just like the like Burgos aren't great but they have a couple of guys that could just randomly turn it on and they kind of just didn't so it was never really a yeah. game um and grand canaria just looked great um yeah grand they're canaria. unbelievable in any sort of numbers situation because they've got just five mid height guys at any point that can all at least extend out to like mid-range yeah so you've got like You've like you've got a lot of multi-tool players to be able to like cut and finish layups or just like the amount of transitions they run where they just end up with like Ari just outside the key on the baseline or yeah. Jorge Salazar or obviously Rose spotted up as one of the the great weapons in this league. But like, yeah, they look so good when they did that and they took Jorge out for a full quarter, as you say. Like he played thirty minutes and yeah. it like obviously the it looks a bit different when that happens because obviously the ball handling sure yeah the ball handling falls on people who don't have to do much of it when he's not 
when he is there. So it obviously it, it kind of the ball pops around a little bit less, but still they're very good at finding the right shot and pretty good at hitting them most of the time. Yeah. Um, I think other th- other point from this game is shout out to Jorge Salazar, man, because he, this is the latest in a, I think a good sample of times now where he has gone up against a team with a much bigger guy and kind of matched them more than it was given in this case. Uh, he was the main defender on him a good amount of the time. And I think Gim was thrown off by how much bigger Salazar plays than how he looks. I know he's yeah. obviously a huge, sturdy guy, but I think people underestimate his kind of height and reach. Oh, yeah. Uh, as you say, like, such a beast of a man, like, yeah. super strong. And I think that's one of the one of the things that Gim kind of gets people on, like the combination of agility, but then also just pushes people out of the way. And you're not doing that to Jorge Salazar the, anytime soon. So There, there was a couple of... Um... He needed to play as, like needed to play a point up effectively, yeah. like as a three, five, like he's kind of played like a big inside four or five yeah. and done it very well. So yeah, man. There was a couple of uh, situations like you're saying with Gim there where he, he got Ari like on him and Ari got a semi-decent stop of his chair. And it was like Gim having the combination of enough wiggle and being so much heavier and stronger than Ari that he just was like, Hey, I don't even have to get like my wheel a little bit in front of you. I can just get it moving and then like dislodge you completely. It's like the NBA thing where they just have to plant their foot and turn the guy off them. Yeah. But, also yeah. random, like fun thing that happened in this game. You saw a game like just beating Luigi one-on-one with the ball down the middle yeah. in the first <laughs> quarter, which is like, uh, it happens. And also it doesn't matter because you won by 32, but just, when we see cool things like that, they get shouted out. Like people don't like people just you generally just you don't see that in the wheelchair game. You don't just murk people one on one with the ball. <laughs> and it was just one of those like someone who's a higher points than you is like, hey, if I can get this guy to turn six times, I'll get him on the seventh. Yeah. <laughs> like my physical advantage and my ability to move my chair as a higher pointer than this person will bear out over X amount of moves. Yeah, definitely. Very, um, la- very last point on this, I guess the you spoke about Gran Canaria's offense, but Gran Canaria shot fifty eight percent, and if we Salazar didn't have the most efficient game because he was ten from twenty two, but outside of that, their top three scorers besides him is Luigi on six of eight, Ari on seven of eleven, and Rose on eight of thirteen. That's <laughs> so- that that level of spread will get it done against most teams. I don't think you can murder Burgos for losing a game badly when everybody on Gran Canaria came out to shoot above sixty percent. Look at you protecting Burgos. Yeah, it's it's half that and half they were hitting like uncontested twelve footers in semi transition for most of the game, which is where they're happiest. Yeah, like. The amount of times that when I was there that it was like we'd get down the floor and if the ball got to Rose before we were in a full five-on-five, five, I was like, yeah, cool. Happy to. This is what we need. <laughs> we're in business. All right, cool. Shall Truth. we move on? I just yeah. clicked at the game that we have just opened, so it's probably not that one right. I would imagine it'll be the one after that, James. Yeah. Hmm. So I played in this one. <laughs> Bilbao, Bredek, uh, Bilbao, Iri. Fundacion, Fundacion Vital Zuzerak, 34. Didn't know you spoke Spanish. Uh, uh, oh my God. I was asked to do a video from like, the, I think it was from like 
the federation, but I think it was like the Basque Federation of Basketball to be like, ah, the Basque Derby's on. Um, so I did it in English and Spanish, but like every time I have to like record a video for something, I have to do it like 80 times because I just get tongue tied. <laughs> but I eventually got the Spanish down to an absolute T and then just botched the English and then <laughs> my phone into the into the sea. But yeah, so 80-34, we played with Asier Garcia and got it done anyway because there's not a whole lot coming back the other way from from Zuzanak. They just don't, they haven't played for four months because they have had every game postponed since we came back for Christmas for COVID reasons. I don't, as far as I'm aware, it wasn't actually them who had it this whole time. Like they've suspended one game from yeah. having COVID. It was just bad luck, which is so unfortunate. So they came into um, a technique, like a local derby people were referring to it as, which I'm a bit like, hey, whatever. But Obviously, I'm not from here, so <laughs> like it seemed to mean a lot to people, which is very cool. But also, like coming into that against a stronger team after not playing for four months is a pretty rough spot to be in. But yeah, man, I'm just looking at these stats, and we managed to keep Jose Leap to five points, which yeah. is like you play against them. It's like don't let Leap go six from nine from three. Um, Mission accomplished. Yeah. Because we've had, he played a game earlier this season that he had a higher percentage from three than two. And I think that's actually, he might be one of the only people that that's true for in any league a lot yeah. of the time because he's so small that it's like you contest a three, he pump fakes and goes inside. And it's like, hey, we can probably, we can probably choke this off if we try hard enough. But yeah, he's so mobile that it's like, it's, rid- it's ridiculous. And I've never seen it. And it's like- because he's a, it's because he's a, like he's so low, he's like sitting so low as well, a high pointer. He's a three point isn't he? And he's sitting in a roller skate, effectively. He's like, yeah, so little. He just pings around in between people. But yeah, I mean, speaking of him being small, you look at the stats from your guy's side, and it's very much the size that got it done for you with um, Chem Avendano and um, Hasso both playing forty minutes and having twenty plus points and ten plus rebounds each. Like that doesn't happen by accident. No, um, no, but we just kind of that's the thing, like, because they're not mobile either outside of Leap. Um, they have a couple of all right guys, to be fair. Like, that guy Ruben is is decent and he played all right. Um, if, if it's the Basque derby, is this the game where Bilbao just try and decide which players they're, they're going to try and pick off if they possibly can? Uh, I don't, I don't know, because they seem to have had the same team for years, and we haven't stolen yeah. any of them. I don't think, but yeah, as I say, Chema, unbelievable, um, also great. Um, I've kept up my streak of shooting an airball per game, which is hilarious. <laughs> um, I, I get like, I get absolutely rinsed for it, and it's just like now I've, I've absolutely have a complex, probably, but it's, it's fine. We'll, we'll dig into that at a. Gotta give, gotta give the people what they want. Um, yes, one per game, but yeah, like semi-serious yeah, they, question: If Asier hadn't played for you guys at all this season, do you think Chema might be the top scorer in the league? <laughs> Honest to God, he has had like enough twenty-point games that I'm like, yeah, this guy is not bad. Every game Asier sits out, he's like, oh, finally, I get my shot rather than this. 
this like multi-time European and world and whatever else all-star. Like we don't have to bother with him now. Just get me the ball behind the screen and I'm laughing. He is 16th in the league in points with 15 and a half per game. But also a lot of the stuff that comes to him normally is in the four big lineup where he's yeah. like the yeah. fourth guy. Like you got Asier and Manu in a pick and roll and you've got Hasso being the man mountain to worry about. And then he just yeah. like little weak side bank shots. But it's, it's, he's, he's, he's great. Um, Good player, man. He's, re- he's stepped up this year more than I've ever seen from him, I think. Also, David was very good this game, like 50% from two, 50% from three, 19 points overall, and um, a technical for just chatting on the free throw line. Like he was giving a ref abuse while he was on the free throw line. So he'd obviously just got a call and he got a technical. (laughs) Also, um, you're too close to the situation now. But if this had happened last year, you would have berated that as being the most Bilbao thing of all time. (laughs) No, it is. But like we get like three on Sportsman Likes a game. It's mad, but we're just like, I say we, like I haven't gotten one, like, and I don't think I will. I think I've, I think I've gotten like two ever, and both of them have been like, someone gets a steal on a pass that's coming to me, and I go to push towards it, and as they nip in, I clip their chair, and the ref's like, this is an unsportsmanlike, like, so yeah, cool. But no, they do like, they, they, these guys like to talk to refs and, and, and hit people, and I don't know if I'm turning into one of them, but I've noticed myself like, seeing one of my players getting filed or one of my teammates getting filed and putting both hands above my head and being like, ah, one of them. But <laughs> Nah, it's cool, man. Uh, also, we got a technical uh, at one point because their coach was talking to one of our players and one of our players talked back and got a technical and he was like, all right, give him one, two. But uh, yeah, I, that's, this is what I mean. Like, this is a team that's third, fourth, fifth in the league, I don't know, against a team that's near the bottom. And we're just like, it must mean a lot to the people from around here. And I don't want to underplay that because that's a very cool thing. But yeah, there's a lot of talking. Like there was a lot of going back and forward when it was mid fourth quarter. And I was like, hey, these seven minutes are going to take 45. Ah, what are we doing? These but, seven minutes are going to take 45. And that's one less than the number of points you guys won by. Yes. Yeah. Not a whole lot else to to talk about in that in this game, unfortunately. Shall um, we shift on? Let's let's shift on. Oh man, gonna have to break out the Viadolid opinions again. Don't come for me, Yelma. You could be nice if you wanted to. Mm. Uh, I'd have a hard try time. and find silver linings. Maxi <laughs> um, five from it. Yeah. So for anyone who hasn't seen Illunion 97, 52 for Viadolid. So that's actually. More than vital, it have been scoring. So I guess that's your first silver lining. Um, this was a bit of a. This was as close as we've seen to the um, Space Jam kind of one-sided, isn't it? Scoreboard. I don't know if it's quite that bad. Um, no, no. But there's there's been bigger margins of victory in this league this year already, for sure. Uh, I also just looking at the stats, it says that Terry has the highest plus minus and it put that in bold because Terry was plus 46 for Lunion. There's a couple of guys on the vital side who are minus 45. And I think that number, I think that mark of shame should have to be put in bold. I'm just going to say that if you have the worst plus minus on your team, 
It's That'd be funny be. if you if you could talk FIBA live stats into putting things in bold in red to be like, hey, this was the worst thing that happened. <laughs> but no. Um, also, it's like you look at it like, oh, this person was only minus four in a million point blowout. And it's like, yeah, because they didn't play. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's not like not having a mad plus minus in the minus when your team gets blowed out means that you didn't even get onto the floor so it's not any better i guess yeah um, is this and i know it wasn't up it wasn't against much um resistance but is this the okay all the sort of supporting roles in elunion chip in and they score 100 like is this the game we were talking about where it's like Obviously, Greg and Terry are going to do what Greg and Terry do because they yeah, were great. I mean, and twenty six. But you've got you've got three more guys in double figures. Like, yeah, well, you've got five guys in double figures. Terry with twenty six and Francisco Garcia with twenty. Who I think you said is a is he a new signing for them or a? Yeah, I I hadn't seen him before. Um, I think mid season. Like he's only played four games i think three games yeah so they've um, put they've pulled in a guy mid-season who's had 20 points so i think yeah. that's probably you know he's a young that, guy he played for the spanish under 22 team yeah. when they won the euros as far as i'm aware but if if yeah. that guy was capable of that in any situation he wouldn't have been unsigned <laughs> at mid-season and ready to join the union so i think you can probably say that's some indication of this scoring total being a mark of the opposition, but yeah, I mean, 26 for Terry, 20 for Francisco Garcia, 17 for Greg, 16 for Bill, and 10 for Amadou, and then a couple of twos and fours elsewhere. Um, I mean, yeah, it's probably not controversial to say that if Alunion get this kind of production game in and game out, they might well beat everybody, but that probably isn't happening against more legitimate competition, I wouldn't have said. It's the thing of like, it might be able to, like, you know what I mean? Like, getting double figures from Bill and Pablo and Amadou isn't like you're not asking to get double figures from like me every game. You know what I mean? Like, that's <laughs> no, but like, actually, like, it's not, it's not mad that, well, maybe that, maybe that guy doesn't play 25 minutes a game, obviously, but like, Amadou giving you 10 and Bill giving you 16. Like I would say that's not actually far off from their averages. Like Bill Bill average Bill averages 18 a game. So that's under his average. So like that could happen. Fair enough. Amadou also averages eight a game. So like I think it's just a case of you put all those pieces together at once and you can beat anyone. And if you don't, you probably can't. Like yeah. yeah. Join us for more breaking news. Um, it's this is the thing of like the further I go into this, the more I'm like, yeah, but yeah. also Pablo's eyes right now, according to the stats, did not play. We, we won't spend too much longer on this one, but a couple of stats I'm just going to highlight here, real quick. Um, Vidali took 39 shots total in a 40 minute game. That's not great, and they were 31% from the floor and. 56% from three. They this can't... Yeah, Mackie Ruderi will just go five from nine every so often. Yeah, they, they hit nine of 16 from three. So they they shot what? Oh, sorry, this stats split up. Sorry. So they shot 55 um shots for the game. 16 of them were threes. 
over half of the 16 threes they shot and make, and they were 12 of 39 on twos, which why didn't they just shoot threes on every possession? <laughs> this was going to be the case. Um, yeah, that um, Robles, who was four from seven from three, I don't think I've seen him take a three, but I think I've seen him like put one up near the end of the shot clock, but I've never seen them like put the ball in his hands and try and get them to try and get him to actually run something from the three point line. But fair definitely. enough. Um, uh, yeah. And, uh, other tiny stat from this is Pablo Bri Sanchez played five minutes and was a minus three plus minus. So if he hadn't have played those five minutes, Alunion would have hit 100. Sorry, Pablo. Is that the case, or would they have just not conceded the three? Like I don't know. We don't know, but it, I, I like it because people like round numbers. Yeah, this was very much like, go out there, lay the smack down, run your bench. Look at that, 26-10. It was, it was 46-23 at halftime. Yeah. Game. Yeah. Game. Cool. All right. Next. Let's do it. So this was probably the most, I don't know if unexpected is the right word because it was ultimately the team you would expect to win pulling it out, but this was way closer than anyone would have called it. Especially yes. for large portions of the game, maybe not done full justice by the result, but Amiab with 71 and Amivel Malaga with 57. So... Yeah. This was a two-point game at halftime, first and foremost. It was. And they had some real problems with their streaming and their scoreboard and their whatever. So I think the scoreboard actually said that it was like two points the other way just before halftime, and that was wrong. But Yeah, yeah. there there was technical issues all over the place on this one, but one person who certainly didn't care about that was our guy, Christoph Kozarina, who is in fact a 4.5 and not a 3.5, little-known fact. Um, yeah, he wasn't bothered about the technical issues that were going on because he was busy getting buckets. And this is kind of the second game in a row, not in a row, um, second game against kind of a more established and big, you know, stacked up with height team where he doesn't seem phased by that at all. And if anything, seems to have his best games against those guys. Because he this did this to Alunion as well, and he's had 25 against Albacete now, who aren't short on size by any stretch. No, absolutely not. He also hit Lee Manning with an up and under, which was very, very cool. But yeah, just a big game. And they're super like happy to throw the ball to him on like an extended elbow post up on a on a low and just let him go to work, which is very cool. Like their shots that at the start of the season, I, I was like, oh, uh, that's not a good look, but he's hit enough of them now. And I'm like, yeah, this guy, this guy can this guy can get those off. Of course he can get them off. He's massive, but I mean they'll go in. Do you ever yeah. do you ever watch guys of I don't know if you do this, but do you ever watch guys of certain nationalities who fit so well into like the pigeonhole of how guys from that country play? Like you watch Cosarina, who's like the new the new um, generation of Polish players. And it's like, oh, so years on from, you know, Piot and Bandura and whoever else they've had, they still just get their four four fives in training for two hours, solidly shooting mismatches from any distance. <laughs> like that, that's all Polish training camps is, is just like 4.5s on one team, ones on the other <laughs> and shoot mismatches. Yeah, just like five, not five out, five kind of out. Yeah. <laughs> like just... 
yeah, I, I doubt that's actually the case, but I would love it to be so. But yeah, man, he's he's looking real good. And yeah, Malaga are in a place where they can like provide some real resistance to very good teams. And then obviously without Abdi as well, might I say? Like oh yeah, yeah, sure. We should have mentioned I that. I don't yeah. know, don't know what's happening there. Hope everything's all good, obviously. But um yeah. But then Albacetti did the thing that we speak about where it's like they'll just find the lineup eventually because they've got so much going on. And this time they kind of broke it open with Gaz, Philipski, Harry, Ben, and Oscar on Rubia, which was like... It's so funny that you can just stumble on that unit. <laughs> like the the guys they have to bench to put that lineup on and that lineup might start for any other team. Oh, it's mad. But yeah, it's just like, they're just very, very, very like stacked. And there's enough versatility in there where they went like, they took the most dominant inside four or five in the game off the floor and a, a two that's been in and around top score in the league. Yeah, he's second in points per game in the league at the minute. <laughs> they took those two guys off the floor and found something. But what did you think? Like, what did you think turned it? Because that was the whole time, because I knew the end result and I knew what happened at halftime. And I was very excited to get to the third quarter and watch and be like, ah, this is what turned it. What do you think? Yeah, um, I don't think this is a really dull answer, but I don't think it was one thing. It was the lineup switch was... I think Albacete was right to stick with their Kyle and Lee lineup for as long as they did because it's done very well for them all year. But yeah, like go. sometimes, sometimes it's like, hey, this will start going well soon. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's enough evidence to suggest it will. Um, but they only got ten points combined from those guys, and I think there's kind of a. I don't, I don't know if you have this in games where you felt kind of overmatched going up against whoever you might be, but. If you're Malaga and you're hanging close with Albacete for a half, there's a sense, possession by possession, there's a sense of relief almost because it's like, hey, we're still in this. Hey, we're still this. The yeah, longer every the- time they don't score, you're yeah. like, ah, yes, it's not, it's not over yeah. yet. The bubble is at first, and then you the, get you. Have the longer you hang around for, the more you, the more you feel it, and the more you're like, all we have to do is be hanging around till the end. And I think one thing that sapped sapped that in the second half was that they could take Kyle and Lee out and it's the replacement maybe isn't as tangible, but it's the energy of Harry and Oscar and Rubia that you then having scrapped and clawed to stay within two points for a half, you then have to deal with those guys who are effectively like defensive trained attack dogs. Um, yeah, I do wonder if it's a bit of like, Hey, if we keep this like scrappy in, cause it was 20 odd, like, like it was no, I'm I'm making that up. It was thirty-ish at halftime, wasn't it? Yeah, I think twenty-nine, twenty-seven at halftime is the yeah. n- number I saw. That might have been so like that's low. So maybe the thing of like, yeah. hey, if we drag them into a bit of a like scrappy game, we might be able to stay with it. And then um, yeah, I went, uh, is, is it is yeah. it scrapping you want? Because we can <laughs> we can bring like we've got the guy they the literally called the Dog world. Boy. We can put, yeah, like three of the absolute best defenders in the world. And like, yeah. that was the thing as well. Like they shot 52% from two at the end of it. Like yeah. they just, it's one of those things of I'm like, they'll get going. And they yeah. did. But they, 
kind of got a couple of steals, a couple of breakouts, and then I wonder if it's a case of like see the ball go through the hoop a couple of times and then yeah, just I mean take off from there. Yeah, I think it's a case of I think we maybe even talked about this last week when they pulled it out over Burgos, but Harry, Ben, Oscar coming in and Harry goes six from seven. And yeah. all you're really asking those guys to do realistically is to keep things mucked up and keep applying the defensive pressure until either Filipski or Gaz gets hot. And in this case, Filipski and Gaz both finished with 16. So, yes. yeah, these guys, their role players did their job on this one and it bought their stars enough time to put the game away and that's what they did. Yeah, that's the thing where it's like, I'd say Amivel were probably in that spot where they get to halftime below 30 and they're like, all right, if this is 60-ish, we might have a chance. And then I mean, I get to 71. Like, that's not, there's your game. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, that's, just, that's it over. But yeah, no, good good game from those three guys in particular, I thought. Yeah. Um, Shall we shift on? Yes. Okay. okay. Last Spanish League game of the weekend. We'll blitz this one because we've spoken about both these teams already, but Madiba 77 and 43 for Mercia. So Mercia actually scored only four points less than they did in their win and managed to lose this game by 34. So that's rough. Um, Yeah, and it was just kind of what we've seen from Madiba all year on this one. Um, Huge game from Salvador, who had 32 on 23 shots. So good for him. And... Yeah, Murcia got 12 from Philip Athlete and 10 from Jose Marin, 8 from Lalo, and that was pretty much all she wrote. Um, I don't think anyone would have expected Murcia to win this game. And no, absolutely not. Come away from this weekend happy with a 1-1 split. Oh, absolutely. That was their whole weekend was beat Lazarus ass. And roll with it. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Cool. Um, anything else that. on the Madiba side or should we jump to our outlier game of the week? Uh, yeah, let's go. Let's go for it. Okay, so there's no stats for this one, so we're just going to go off the dome on this. Um, this weekend in the French League, which we haven't really covered because the games aren't on hugely consistently and there's no stats for us to catch up with afterwards that we are able to find. If you know where they are, please feel free to let us know. But this weekend was Lacane and Mo which was an exhibition in just how many points can be scored even with minimal shooting on the floor. Um, and this was a 90-74 to 74 win for Lacane. So what were your thoughts on this one? Because I know we both watched this today to catch up. Yeah, I think that was it. Like, as you say, neither of those teams has a massive amount of, like, super consistent outside scoring. So it was a case of, like, I was like, I wonder where these teams get their points from. And it's it's funny because like I we've both watched Le Canet play this year and we've both seen players who play for Mo play in the past. Slash you might have watched a Mo game this year, but I don't I think oh I think I watched Mo against um Mets, but that might have been it. And that was before Helen Freeman arrived who actually plays huge minutes for them now. Yeah. Um so that was cool to see, but it was two teams just playing very fast and very hard and cutting a lot and yeah it was a, it was a cool like exercise in how do you score without running 
40 wing pick and rolls a game. Although there was still like a steady diet of a lot of that stuff, obviously, because it's kind of building block of a lot of wheelchair basketball. Yeah, I, I, think, for a long time, but. I think it showed Fulakane because they they only really have the one consistent shooter in Alexi Ramone, but they have two or three other guys who at any given point might get hot for a minute or two and hit. I think there were stretches in this game where both Christophe Carlier, Ivan Toscano, and maybe even Belade got in on it where they would hit kind of two in a row. And that was just enough to kind of Mo's game plan being just to jump Alexi and let everyone else have it from the outside. It was just enough to throw that off for long enough that Mo couldn't rely on that strategy. And Sofian obviously dominates the ball massively and Audrey Kyle seemingly never misses for Mo and also never speeds up or slows down his shot regardless of how open he might be or not be. Um, He had a shot where they were like four on four in transition and he was right wing on the left wing. That he like pushed in because he was like, hey, we've got nothing. I might try and post the one pointer up. And the ball didn't come, so he just pulled back out to the baseline, sort of 15, 16 yeah. feet. It, and he was like, this is going to come to me. I'm going to shoot it, and it's going to go in. And of course it did, and it was so smooth, and it swished so cleanly. And it was just like, imagine being like, hey, I've got to post up. Okay, this isn't coming. I'll go to 16 feet, and they will immediately <laughs> find me. But it was like um, Sofiane doing his usual like on-ball super athlete can get past any one stuff where he's like drive kick to the shooter in the corner it was very cool to see but he had a he i he made a three early doors and then i think he went at least the rest of the first half without making a shot from outside but he did kind of run in transition off the ball receive in the middle of the key somewhere and then do like a legit nba Jonas valanciunas style you know plow the defender with his back wheel spin under his arm and run away up and it's like that is a move oh yeah that was nuts that was so cool he's Um, like wrenched his way through that was that was great but yeah man these are these are the games are quite chaotic because it like like an a it'll be like at any given point they'll just be like really running hard at some off ball cuts yeah or like like they'll be like two on two flat on the weak side with a one and a big. Yeah. But if if they just bomb it and try and seal someone in, they might get something. And they do quite a lot and the passes always get there. So it is, it like you described it there when we were talking about it yesterday as like an experiment into like how to generate offense without a massive amount of shooting. And it was yeah. just that for me. And it was a lot it, of fun. But. And it's, I wouldn't want to watch... I don't know if I would choose to, if it was like, do you want to watch the highest level wheelchair basketball? I definitely wouldn't choose Lacane and Mo as like my go-to game. But I think it's interesting. We talked about how Grand Canaria's offense clicks and it is all fundamentally sound and all, you know, whirs away like a well-oiled machine. And it's good to watch in that sense. But you also never go into a Grand Canaria game being like, I wonder how they're going to do this because you they've got enough kind of of the boxes checked that you know how they're going to do it and it either will work or it won't. Whereas with like... Yeah, there's no like, I wonder how they're going to get this thing that means they win or lose the basketball game. Like, Whereas with with Lacané, I feel like, and probably more of these French teams because it's maybe the most up and down league with the possible exception of some German teams who like to get at it. But I think France maybe has the most flawed 
teams in terms of structure who are like, hey, we'll just do what we're good at and see if that carries us through, which is kind of what nerds like me and you live for. Yeah, it's fun. It's like I've had enough of like really, really talented shooters playing pick and rolls and moving the ball about. I want to see some gritty stuff. Like, like we described it as like, a year a couple of years ago we would talk about like wanting to watch like the grizzlies versus portland this is (laughs) obviously not but yeah Yeah. all right it definitely is that um anything else in that game or no i think if people if our description of it up to this point hasn't gotten people to go and check it out on lacani's youtube channel try and think of it as like a wheelchair basketball crossed dodgems rink and if that doesn't get you there, I don't know. What oh, no, there's way more finesse in it than that. But it's <laughs> yeah. just so much fun to like, it was just high up kid stuff. There was no like, all right, let's slow it down and get a good look. It's like, let's speed it up and get a good look. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, I think that's all the games will wrap real quick. So this will be coming out Monday morning. We are going to be recording first thing on Tuesday morning with our guest, who is possibly the most requested person we've ever had on this <laughs> on this show um we've got Tom some sort of well. coordinated yeah coordinated trolling effort by his friends but we've sure. got tom o'neill thorne joining us formerly of bilbao and currently of the australian national team um he's going to be joining us we're going to record tuesday morning so at the point this is out on monday if you listen to this on monday go check our instagram because we're going to be putting out four questions that you want to ask tom and we're really excited to do this i think it's going to be a really good episode so yeah look forward to that that will be out on thursday assuming we don't do what we did last time we did a recording to australia and got the times wrong and had to reschedule it for the next day even then we might be all right yes hopefully so but anyway thank you so much for listening and yeah we'll talk to you next time cool peace out everybody thank you for listening